Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Hallelujah. All right, high five two or three people and say, you look better than I remember. That's what worship will do. (laughs) Praise God. So good to be at James River Church. I love this place very, very much. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 as we get into God's Word today. And uh, it's important for me just to say aloud just uh, what an honor, what a privilege it is always to be in this pulpit uh, at this church. This is a special place. God is doing something, I think, quite sacred here. And um, it doesn't just happen by accident. It always happens through a man and a woman that carry a vision. And uh, for many, many years now, that's what Pastor John and Debbie have been doing. And it's not easy. They make it look easy. Uh, In fact, it's not even hard what they've done here. It's impossible. But that's the God that we serve. And uh, I know it's been fun all summer long, summer sizzling, summer... But this is the best summer. This is the best Sunday. Not because I'm here, but because it's Pastor John's birthday. And uh, come on, if you love your pastors, can you make a little bit of noise and just tell them we love them? Happy 45th birthday. And uh, just to the entire family, to uh, Brandon and to David and their wives, I just, man, it's fun getting to come to church, but just also getting to spend time with these guys. Last night, they took me to the rodeo. That was a cross-cultural experiment for me. Um, My boys are in kids' church right now with cowboy hats on, so their names are Wyatt and Wild. And uh, with names like that, they're either going to be great preachers, bank robbers, or cowboys. So uh, our family uh, adores this place, and uh, you don't even know it, but you played a massive part uh, in our church not just with prayer, not just with impartation, but even just sowing into us financially. We wouldn't be where we're at today without your love and your support. So thank you, James River Church, for being the church that you are. Um, God's doing something. I was just in the 9 a.m. service, and uh, people in Miami, there's no such thing as 9 a.m. church in Miami. Um, They're not sure if Jesus is awake at 9 a.m., so pray for us as we repent. But just, and even in this service, just a tangible sense of God's presence And uh, I just commend you. I would just say lean in. Uh, Whenever God starts moving like this, there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be critics. There will always be opposition. And uh, you need to know that many times when you're facing resistance, it's not an indication that God is not in the building. Many times it's an indication that you're headed in the right direction. Lean in. Stand firm. Watch as God continues to use you. Come on. If you're grateful for your church, can you go ahead and make a little bit of noise all over this place? Oh, I'm going to preach it like I feel it today. You're allowed to say amen. You're allowed to say that's good. You can say preach it, white boy. I don't care. But today, everybody's Pentecostal and everybody's going to verbally engage. Amen? First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Let me jump into this. The scripture says this. The Lord said to Samuel, how long you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met. 
They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, there still is the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Verse 13, our key text. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, everyone say from that day on. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Uh, I want to take a few moments today, and I want to preach uh, with the working title, Don't Take My Oil. Don't Take My Oil. And my prayer is, as you leave this place today, that this would be your anthem. This would be your phrase. That this would be sticky in your heart. Don't take my oil. And as we're talking today, I, I want to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, I really believe, not at James River, but at many churches today, oftentimes it seems like the Holy Spirit is the most misinterpreted, misunderstood person at church. Maybe you feel overlooked. Maybe you feel like people don't pay much attention to you. I got to say, in a lot of churches these days, that's probably how the Holy Spirit feels. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, as he looked upon his 12 despondent disciples, he said, it's good that I leave you, that I might send to you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's described with lots of words. He says things like he's the advocate, he's the comforter, he's the convictor, he's the counselor, he's the guide. But I like that little phrase that a picture is worth a thousand words. Because when you study the Holy Spirit, what you'll find out is that sometimes where the words run out, we start to get icons or symbols or pictures of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up like wind or fire or a dove. And in today's case, he shows up like oil. The Holy Spirit is who you need to get through this life. The Holy Spirit is who you need if you're going to fulfill what God's called you to do. He's got a purpose. He's got a mission for your life. And sometimes people can be kind of leery of the Holy Spirit. Ah, it feels a little weird. Just so we're all on the same page, those of us that are followers of Jesus, you're already weird. Okay? You are worshiping a God that you have never seen with your eyes. But people are like, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. That's kind of weird. Okay, I think you could get a little weirder, all right? Because you need the Holy Spirit. And one of the most practical ways to experience the Holy Spirit is just by acknowledging him. If Jesus says he's the comforter, he's the counselor, when you begin to experience those things, acknowledge the Holy Spirit simply by saying, thank you, Holy Spirit. 
that next time you get some clarity, do not give credit to the coffee. Come on. You got the Holy Spirit. That clarity is not from caffeine. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. Next time you find yourself in sorrow, but somehow you have enough strength that there seems to be a comfort or a warmth. It's not the vibe. It's not an atmosphere. It's not the Hallmark movie that you watched. That's the person of the Holy Spirit coming to you in your time of sorrow, in your time of trouble, and he's comforting you. Anybody grateful for a God who shows up in the midst of our trouble? Next time you're stricken with fear and you don't know how to go on, but all of a sudden it seems like there's this gust of strength. All of a sudden there's this conviction to move forward. All of a sudden there's this boldness. Make sure you give credit to the proper source. It's not something from this world. It's not some natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It is the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. If anybody's grateful for the Holy Spirit, go ahead and give him praise in the house. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The more I acknowledge him, the more I will begin to experience him. And the Holy Spirit, just so we're clear, is not about spiritual superiority. The Holy Spirit is about spiritual survival. I don't speak in tongues to get to heaven. I speak in tongues so I can make it through I-95 without killing people. It's to survive. Watch this. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. Someone say this. Say, I need more of the Holy Spirit. A beautiful case study today as we talk about the Holy Spirit is our text that we've read about, which is the story of young David being anointed as king of Israel Uh, proper context is helpful. What we pick up on as we open up to 1 Samuel chapter 16 is we see the prophet of God, Samuel, mourning. Now, the reason why he's mourning is because the first king of Israel, his name is Saul, has disobeyed God and God has rejected him. The Achilles heel of Saul is that Saul loved the praise of man more than he longed for the approval of God. I think we live in a day and age right now where there's politicians and there's leaders that fear man more than they fear God. Listen, if you live for the praise of man, you will die by the criticism of man. Saul was so afraid of people that he continued to disobey God, and at some point God said, enough, and he rejected Saul. When we pick up the story, Samuel is mourning. He's grieving over the rejection of Saul. But here comes the word of the Lord to the prophet. He says, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over what I have rejected? I think it's a prophetic phrase for many of us in this room because if we're not careful, we will do the same thing that Samuel's doing. Sometimes we will mourn over the past, not recognizing that it wasn't that thing that stopped you, but rather it was God that stopped it. And if you're not careful, you will be mourning over things that God himself rejected. Some of you maybe lost a job this past year, and if you could get a new perspective, you would realize it wasn't that job that rejected you, but rather it was God who rejected it. 
Some of you crying over a relationship because somebody left you. Let me just encourage you. If somebody can leave your life, it's because they're not a part of your future. Quit crying over that person. That person didn't reject you, but rather God said, I'm rejecting it because I've got a better plan. And what he says to Samuel is he says, Samuel, grab your horn of oil. I have chosen another king. I think it's important that all of us here at James River that we stop and we recognize that God is working in a powerful way. I go all over America. I preach in lots of churches. What God is doing here is special. It's sacred. It's supernatural. It's not to be taken lightly. But I want to say it to you as I say it to myself. I am not God's gift to this earth. God doesn't need Rich Wilkerson Jr. Now, the beautiful thing about our God is he doesn't need me. Oh, but he wants me. Anybody grateful for a God who says, I want you, I long to use you? But he says, yo, Samuel, I know you're crying over this king, but while you're crying, I've already selected another king. So grab your horn of oil and be on your way. Because if I am unwilling to be used by God, he will find another. He will choose another. It's a privilege to open up this book. It's an honor to stand on this stage and be used by God. He don't need me. I'm not a gift. I'm a tool. Somebody like, we know, Rich, you're definitely a tool. <laughs> I'm not the gift. I'm the tool. God, I want to be used by you. Some of y'all prayed two years ago to be used by God, and now he answered your prayer, and now you're complaining because he used you. I feel so used. Isn't that what you asked him to do in your life? I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God, and I take it absolutely as a privilege of the Lord to be used by him. And if I don't want to be used, he will find somebody else. I wonder, are there any tools in the house today? Is there anybody in the house today that would say, God, if you could use anything, use me. God, if you can use a bush, if you can use a donkey, come on, if you can use a rock. The Bible says, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out in our place. Come on, is there anybody in the house who wants to give praise to an almighty? Almighty God, go ahead and worship him all over this house. He can use anything, but he chooses to use us. Grab your horn of oil and be on your way. I have chosen another. Uh, oil, as the prophet is commanded, uh, was used all throughout the Bible in a practical way and also in a symbolic way. In a practical way, oil always represents the blessing of God, the abundance of God. Oil comes from olives, and so when they were in seasons of prosperity, there was plenty of olives to go around, plenty of oil to go around. Think about the widow of Zarephath. All she has is a little bit of oil left. Oil in many times was like a currency. It was used to buy, purchase things. Oil was used uh, for skin conditions of all types in the Bible. It was also used in a cosmetic sense to make yourself look more beautiful. It was Jesus who said, when you fast, put oil on your face so nobody on earth knows you're fasting. I'm excited for James River as you guys are coming up on 21 days of prayer and fasting. Get ready. You don't fast to lose weight. You fast to gain vision. And you're about to see some stuff you've never seen. No eye has seen and no ear has heard. When all of a sudden you deny your flesh, he starts feeding your spirit in a powerful way. Bible says that oil is also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Oil in that time period was 99% fuel. So it was used to fuel lamps. I love that scripture 
that says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. If you're in need of God's will today, go to God's word. But God's word, the lamp, is fueled by who? The Holy Spirit. I meet people all the time in church like, you know, I need a word from God. I need a fresh word from God. All right. If you want a fresh word from God, go buy a brand new Bible. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit wrote the word. And the Holy Spirit is never going to say something that's not already in the Word. The Holy Spirit is the pneuma. He's the wind, the ruach. It's breath. How many of y'all know you can't get a word without the breath? And before you get a revelation, you first need an illumination. The Word is a light. It's a lamp. But also, the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, as it's likened to oil, it's powerful because what it says to you and I is that oil marks things. Oil permeates things. Oil stains things. You ever gotten an oil stain on your shirt? I don't care how good your outfit is. Everybody's like, yo, bro, you got a stain on your shirt. Everybody notices it. I wonder, have you been stained by the Spirit of God? Because I firmly believe without you even opening up your mouth, people ought to be able to tell that you've encountered the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I have the stain of his oil on my life. How come you're so kind all the time? (laughs) I'm not actually. Actually, I'm a nightmare. Um, But man, I met the person of the Holy Spirit. He filled me up with his joy. And it's the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. so patient. When I'm caught in traffic, I give the middle finger. Not me, man. I used to do that. But then I met the Holy Spirit. He turned my middle finger into spirit fingers. (laughs) How come you don't curse those people out? They're talking bad about you. They're gossiping about you. They're writing about you. How are you able to bless them even though they've cursed you? Well, it's not me. It's the God on the inside of me. I've been stained by the Spirit of God. He's given me his fruit, which is self-control. He's given me goodness. He's given me gentleness. I've been stained by the Spirit of God. Come on, is there anybody out there who could testify? It's not me. It's the God on the inside of me. People ought to be able to tell without you ever saying a word. Oil in the Bible was used for anointing ceremonies, for kings, prophets, and judges. It was a sign that they'd been separated and sent out on a mission. Oil, according to the brother of Jesus in the book of James, he says it this way. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Here's the best part. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now today, we actually applied this scripture verse and did that today. That people who are sick in their body, we took oil as a symbol and a sign of the Holy Spirit. We anointed them to say that the person of the Holy Spirit is coming upon you and he can heal your sick body. I don't know where you come from, and I know there's lots of people here today, people watching online, people believe all sorts of different things. There's a whole group of people today that believe that the gifts of the Spirit or the acts of God in the book of Acts, that that's all ceased, that's all stopped, that's all a portion of time. 
Hey, people can believe what they want to believe. I just want to go on record at James River that if your boy ever gets sick and you hear I'm in a hospital bed, you call the fine folks of James River and you get any kind of oil you can find. And you can anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, do a Jericho march, get a shofar, and pray the prayer of faith, believing that our faith still has the ability to raise up the sick person. Come on, is there anybody in the house who still believes our God is healing? Anybody still believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He doesn't change. If he healed back then, come on, somebody, he can do it again. Don't take my oil. Don't take my oil. I need the Holy Spirit. And the more I acknowledge him, the more I will experience him. And so God says to Samuel, grab your horn of oil, that symbol of the Spirit, that healing agent, that thing that stains, that thing that marks, and you take it to the town of Bethlehem because I have chosen another. And so Samuel gets there. Jesse comes out to meet him. He says, bring me your sons. And so Jesse does what most of us would do. He brings his oldest boy and brings the oldest boy in front of the prophet. And the prophet looks at the oldest boy and he thinks right away, this is the next king of Israel. But in that moment, God corrects Samuel and says, no, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I actually love this scripture in many ways because Samuel is one of the greatest prophets Israel ever saw. But I don't care what your title is, doctor so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. The moment you can't be corrected by God is the moment you're ineffective for God. And here we have one of Israel's greatest prophets being corrected by God. And God says, now I want to tell you something about my nature. Humanity is drawn to charisma, but I am drawn to character. God is always drawn to a humble and hungry heart. If you're here in the room today and you want to be used by God, before you just offer up your body, ask God to cleanse your heart. So Jesse brings all of his sons. They go through seven sons. Seven is the number of completion. And they get to the end, and Sam is like, you got any other children whatsoever? And he's like, yeah, I got one more boy, but he's a shepherd. He's counting sheep. He says, well, bring him in. And David is summoned into the house but notice the scripture says that the prophet does not let any of the brothers nor his father sit down. It's a prophetic gesture. You don't sit when you're in the presence of a king. You know him as a shepherd, but God has already anointed and appointed him to be the next king of Israel. So you better stand to attention. And David walks into that room. And when he walks in, God says, that's the one. And Samuel takes the horn of oil and he puts it on his head. And in one moment, the boy goes from being a shepherd to a king, all with a touch and an anointing from God. And the scripture says, from that day on, everyone say from that day on. From that day on, the spirit of God came upon David in power. I like that scripture because I think we need to herald that at the top of our lungs. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to date you doesn't just want to visit you on Sundays, doesn't just want to meet you at the conference. The Holy Spirit wants a breathing, living relationship with you. 
He wants to mark your life in every day after he wants to walk with you through the mountaintops and through the valleys. He wants to empower you. I don't know about you, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody else in the room like me? From that day on, David was empowered by the Holy Spirit. What's so incredible to know is that when you fast forward to the New Testament and we see the work that Jesus did on the cross, what we see is, is that his spirit was sent out, his spirit was released, and no longer was an anointing relegated to kings, prophets, and judges, but now everybody who's hungry and willing can be filled. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power. Someone say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, just what happened to David can happen to you. You will receive power. That word power in the Greek is the word dynamo. It's where we get the word dynamite. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to come on you in an explosive, dynamic, dynamite-like way that you would have an explosive, supernatural power the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. I need the Holy Spirit. And when you start studying the life of David, if you're not careful, you will start try and copy his skills because he did many amazing things. But it wasn't his skills that separated him. It was the Spirit of God upon his life. David had power to lead the people of Israel, but it wasn't because he was such a great strategist. It was the Spirit of God. David had incredible supernatural victories against enemies, but it wasn't because he was such a good warrior. It was the Spirit of God on his life. David had this unique, uncanny loyalty of the men around him that walked in unity, but it wasn't because he had been to a self-help seminar and learned the latest and greatest book about how to reach people. Instead, it was the Spirit of God on his life drawing people to him. David's most famous battle was David versus Goliath. I love that story. David versus Goliath. This young boy going up to a hill, and there Goliath looks at him and says, you sent a dog out here to fight me? David's barely hit puberty. He's got two armpit hairs and a slingshot. <laughs> bring him out, bring him out, bring him out. When he sees Goliath, yo, my man, he starts talking trash. You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Oh, but giant, I come against you in the name of the God of Israel whom you have defied. And this day, I will cut off your head. This, I mean, this is like Holy Ghost trash talk. <laughs> I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And all will know whose God is really God. <laughs> Dear God in heaven. But it would help you to go back to 1 Samuel 16 and remember that day that he was touched with oil. And from that day on, the Spirit of God came upon him in power. You see, the story has been told the wrong way. It was never David versus Goliath. How many of y'all know it was always God versus Goliath? <laughs> Come on, if God be for me, who could be against me? Come on, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. You got God on your side. Don't take my oil. 
And if you're not careful, you'll read the stories of old and say, I need the spirit of David upon me. Or you'll come to a great church like this and say, I need the spirit of that pastor upon me. But you don't need David's spirit. You certainly don't need Rich Fulkerson Jr.'s spirit. You need the spirit of God on you. You need your own touch. You need your own anointing. You need your own oil. How do I get oil? The way you get oil is by facing life, by standing firm, by planting your feet. And no matter what comes at you, hell or hot water, say, I'm following Jesus. And when opposition comes your way, and when struggle comes your way, and when suffering comes your way, and when loss comes your way, and when death comes your way, and when disease comes your way, and you stay planted on the other side of all that crushing is oil. How do you get oil? You crush the olive. And I hate to tell you, every calling requires crushing. But it's the breaking that produces anointing. And out of your life flows oil. Do you know what a mistake it is to come and get around a man like Pastor John Lindell and try to simply copy his skills? It's the Spirit of God on this man to get up Decade after decade with a smile on his, with cancer in his body, with doing a funeral service three days ago, and speak faith into your desolate, dark heart at times. That's called oil. And his oil ministers to us. But the good news about our God is that oil is not only for Pastor John Lindell. You too can have oil when you stand firm and you say, I might be shaking right now, but I'm going to bend, but I'm deciding in Jesus, I am not going to break. Come on, where are God's people at in this house? Don't take my oil. How does the Holy Spirit give us power practically? We mentioned today in service already, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's nine different gifts of the Spirit, all sorts of different gifts, gifts of knowledge, gifts of prophecy, gifts of discernment, gifts of healing, gifts of faith. How many of y'all could use another measure of faith? I got some real stuff happening in Miami right now that my skills are not enough. God, give me greater faith. The Holy Spirit begins to give out gifts I'm not going to teach about the gifts today, but what we need to know about the gifts is the gifts are not for entertainment. <laughs> the gifts aren't that we can do magic tricks and impress people. The gifts are to equip the body of Christ, and there's a purpose to the power. What's the purpose? According to Jesus in Acts chapter 1, the purpose to the power is that you might be a good witness for Jesus. I actually believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit are for evangelism explosion. And there might be some critics of James River with the healings and what's happening supernaturally, but yo, 180 people this past week gave their life to Jesus. You ought to take five seconds right now and thank God that you get to be a part of a revival. What? And so he gives us gifts that we might be good witnesses of Jesus. But if we're not careful, 
whenever we try to take the gifts or the power and use it for our glory instead of his, it will crush us. Glory is a weight term. And you don't want to try to take God's glory. That thing will break you. Anything that's not turned to praise will turn to pride. And whenever we try to rob God of his glory, it grieves the spirit. See, the spirit has emotions. The spirit has a will. Look what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is where I really, we could take so much time here. But verse 31, especially for a community like this where God's moving. Notice the ways that we grieve the Spirit. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. See, the Holy Spirit always shows up in places and rooms of unity. That's what the upper room was. They were united in one accord. A wonderful cross study sometime is to cross study the upper room experience with the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was all about man becoming like God and on his status, whereas the upper room was a desire for God to show up and they were in unity for the right purpose. And what grieves the spirit is when God begins to move, but we get so focused on one another that we gossip, we slander, we carry unforgiveness, carry bitterness. Unforgiveness is always an indication that you totally overestimate someone's sin against you, but you underestimate your sin against God. He forgave us. And forgiven people forgive others. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And when I think about David as we come to a close, the Spirit of God was with David from that day on. It wasn't because David lived a perfect life. It wasn't because David never sinned again. Oh, please don't come to James River and think that we're perfect people. That's not the message of the gospel at all. David was a real sinner. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I belong here. I've got some sin. Well, check out the Bible because these folks are dysfunctional. <laughs> you think your family's got problems? <laughs> Read the Bible. David, when it was time for the men to go off to war, he, he stayed back and watch this. He goes out on his balcony one day and there's a woman in a bath and her name is Bathsheba. If that's not a trap, I don't know what is. Red flag, David. Bathsheba's in the bath. And he lusts after this woman. He takes her, and she's a married woman. She, he has her husband killed. He ends up having a baby with this woman, and he thinks it's all good. No, I'm the man. I'm the gift. I'm the king. I'm the anointed one. I'm the gifted one. But God sends a prophet named Nathan, and Nathan comes and rebukes him. And as he rebukes him, watch David's prayer. Because it wasn't the fact that the Spirit of God stayed upon him because he lived a perfect life. It's quite the opposite. Watch what David prays. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me, O God. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Whatever starts in the spirit cannot be continued nor sustained in the flesh. So David has sinned and now here's his repentance to God. God, give me that heart that I had as a boy. You don't need this body. You need this heart. You want this heart. So God, give me a pure heart. But then listen to his cry at his darkest, lowest moment. He doesn't say, God, don't take my palace. Oh God, please don't take my crown from me. My crown is my identity. I need my crown and my success. God, don't take my bank accounts. Don't take my car. That's not what he prays. He says, oh God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, don't take my oil. You can have it all. It was never about that stuff. I want your touch. I want your favor. I need oil on my life because I don't know what I might face in this life. But if I got oil, I can always rise again. If I got oil, though I might fall seven times, I know how to get back up because it's not me who's leading. It's your spirit, oh God. Don't take my oil. Don't take, don't take your spirit from my life. And James River, that's my prayer today. That you too would leave this place saying, God, don't take my oil. God, I just need your touch. I want to sharpen my skills, but I need your spirit, oh God. I'm not the oil, I'm the vessel. I'm not the gift. I'm a tool. <laughs> you ever order a pizza before? And um, when you order the pizza, they bring you a, a, a pizza in the box and you get done eating the pizza. No one ever stands around and is like, oh my gosh, look at how great the pizza box is. Whoa. Look at the ingenuity on the, this is in, in a, whoa. Never, you don't do that. But you'd be pretty upset if you called that pizza guy and you open the door and he's just holding the pizza in his hand. Hey, here you go. You're like, nah, I'm good. I'm actually fasting with James River right now, August 1st. I'm not the oil, I'm the vessel. I'm not the gift. I'm the tool. I'm not the pizza. I'm the box. And the only thing the box has to do is just two things. It's got to be clean. And it's got to be empty. <laughs> 